0: on this episode of the james kwondahl show
1: and he said chess is not about winning or losing and he wanted me to understand that because every great master has lost several games like chess is the one game that you have to lose more times than you win at first before you can even get better
0: tunde yanakoya is the founder of chess slums in africa a nonprofit organization aimed at using the noble game of chess to help children in slum communities realize their full potential by integrating principles of the game of chess with management of daily challenges in life, enhancing abstract thinking, creativity, and innovation. Tunde is also a national chess master, chess champion, and public speaker. This episode was recorded on Tunde's mobile phone while visiting a Nigerian slum community. He's visiting to celebrate because some of the girls his organization serves just won a chess tournament. As such, the audio quality is a bit shaky at some points, but the lessons contained in this conversation are life changing and worth hearing. Thanks for listening. I gotta say, Tundi, I am a chess addict. I play chess every single day, and I'm nowhere near your playing strength. And I'm hoping by the time that we're done talking today that I'll have gained maybe 200 rating points. And maybe you can help (laughs) me do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. No problem. We'll see how that goes.
0: (laughs) But how did you get into chess in the first place, though? All right. So um, a little backstory story
1: here. I think about 15 years ago, I was... uh, I was, I think I was 10 or 11. I was 11 at the time, yeah. So um, now the way um, the educational system works in my country, you know, Nigeria, you do six years of uh, of primary school, you know, that's the basic level. Then you do another six years of secondary school before going on to university. So after my basic education, you know, I couldn't go to school for a while. You know, because I grew up in a very difficult place and my parents didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have access to a lot of basic amenities. In that time, you know, I would always go to a barber shop on the other streets, you know. the other and I would always go there to play video games since I wasn't going to school or doing anything. So one of those days, he just brought out uh, a small plastic chessboard. That was the first time I ever saw a chessboard. And I was just fascinated by the way the pieces were carved. I mean, to me, it was just plain love at first sight. And uh I became really curious. I wanted to know what the names of the pieces were. I wanted to learn the rules of the game. But then it wouldn't teach me. It would only really tell me that I was too young to learn. And uh, but eventually I would always watch the him and his friends, you know, play. And uh, you know, I just picked up the rules of the game from just watching them. So that was My first contact with chess, and that was how I discovered, you know, the gift of chess. Yeah, I call it the gift of chess because it has given me a lot, you know, on my own personal life journey.
0: So tell me, before we go forward, I want to go a little bit further backwards. So you mentioned that you didn't have some of the basic amenities at that time when you were going to the barbershop, and it sounded like the barbershop was sort of a safe haven for you. But like, what was home like for you at that point?
1: I grew up in a slum community. Yeah,
0: so it's
1: uh, so it's a place in Lagos, Nigeria called the It's it's a community near the river, you know, where people just dump refuse, you know, on the road. You know, we lived in, we lived around there because you know we couldn't afford to live in a city. Yes, which so was really hard to survive at the time. You know, having you know getting to eat two times daily was a struggle and my dad worked really hard but you know it was just so difficult to make ends meet so at the time it was just about survival when i dropped out of school you know education was just off the table because we had to worry about survival my dad was doing all he could you know to just make sure we could eat at least two times daily you know i have a younger brother you know so it was just the both of us yeah and my and my parents being able to feed was a struggle being able to do anything you know we didn't have a tv (laughs) so there was uh we didn't have a privileged uh, childhood i mean some would say we weren't born you know with a silver spoon so but we had a lot of you know a lot of love you know we grew up with a lot of love and uh we never had to beg because if there was one thing my dad would always ensure it would ensure that he could at least Put food on the table, and that was just all the worst to it. Yeah. So when I dropped out, dropped out of school, I didn't. I was. I didn't know what I was, you know, truly missing out on. Yeah. Because my experience was limited to like the confines of my immediate community. I didn't know there was much bigger world out there. So I discovered chess. You know, chess gave me that kind of exposure. Yeah. So that was a backstory to me. You know, discovering the gift of chess. So that
0: was how Growing up was for
1: me and uh, my family at the time.
0: And what kind of lessons did your dad teach you? It sounds like uh, definitely working hard and and loving your family. But what other things did you learn from him?
1: My dad is a good person.
0: You know, he was the kind of person that would go out of his
1: way, you know, to to give to other people, even if it affected them. You know, it would still give. You know, he shared whatever i had with other people and sometimes i wouldn't understand it because i mean we don't we don't even have enough ourselves you know as a family but you know you're always scared so much about other people you know people that even suffered a lot more than we did you know it would always teach us about sharing about still giving regardless even though we had very little to ourselves yeah i think that was an important thing i learned from my dad growing up you know watching him give himself self- selflessly you know even to our extended uh, you know family family members you know and even people that were just random strangers you know my dad was always kind to everyone my dad was very tenacious At that time when I had to drop out of school things were really difficult for him so he had uh, a boss you know um so the way our transportation system works in Nigeria you know we have this public community uh, uh, pub, uh buses that we call they called downfall downfall buses. You know, so you just pick up people and you drop them at their various destinations. So he had a bus that he was driving himself, you know, to pick up people. And uh but that bus you know, had an accident at some point And he lost his only means of livelihood. You know, and uh so that really took you know a toll on his on finances, you know, took a toll on us, you know, generally and uh you know, it was so hard, but my dad never gave up. You know, he he never felt defeated in the in the midst of you know all that chaos. You know, at the time, you know, he just still kept pushing. He kept looking for an alternative. You know, he just kept going out there. He never wanted to stay home and be idle. You know, he kept doing everything he could do. You know, my parents are not educated. You know, and they 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 are not skilled. Yeah. So, but still, you know, he did all he could, you know, to ensure he gets back on his feet. So it was very tenacious. And I think that is one thing that, you know, I really learned from him that has aided my own journey, you know, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not giving up when it truly really matters, you know, it's something a lot of people still struggle with. You know, it's easy to just let go and just let, you know, when life really weighs in on you and you just... He just uh, succumbed to the pressure, you know. My dad never taught us that. He taught us to still keep moving, you know. He taught us about being courageous, you know, in the in the in the in the middle of a storm, you know. He, th- he taught us to never take no for an answer, to never back down. And yeah, those were some of the important life lessons I I picked from my dad. He's an amazing person. Yeah,
0: that's great. And and the fact that. You've done what you have been able to do and now are being able to be an example for all these children and we'll get to that in in a in a little bit because I'm just so impressed with with what you've been able to cultivate but so let's go back to the barbershop for a second so you're you're enamored with chess and the the carved plastic pieces and you're not they're they're saying you're too young to play. And you're just watching and learning, but and then now you're a national master, chess champion of Nigeria. How how did that happen? What 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 happened next?
1: After my first you know you know encounter with chess, I kept going back to the barbershop, shop. You know, I really wanted to learn more about this game. You know, and uh, I mean, it never thought it never taught me, so I would always just watch. And you know, over time, I was able to you know learn the names of the pieces and the basic rules. And yes. but when I go back to school, because I go back into school after two years, you know, and, um, fortunately the school that I attended had a private, uh, had an active chess club. So the moment I saw a chess board and I saw we had a chess coach, you know, I just signed up for the chess club and, uh, and that was it. Yeah. My chess coach then, Mr. Collins may so rest in pieces later now, you know, he had this, different kind of swagger to him. He <laughs> would just walk into the class and tell us that, oh, he could solve any mathematical question. That we should just give it right to God and he we'll would solve it in a matter of minutes. <laughs> and he uh, would always say stuff like, oh, chess is a game for intelligent people. So if you're not intelligent, then he doesn't want you to be in his class. You know, he made a lot of jokes like that. <laughs> you know, he would, you know, he just had this amazing charisma. The way he carried himself, you know, he he... He, he talked about chess in a romantic way you know he talked about it like it was the best thing in the world yeah so i was i was in love in chess i was in love with chess because of the way you know, he described you know chess the way he sold the game to us and um, i mean after a few weeks of joining the chess club you know i i was already one of the best you know and um you know, it was clear that I I had, you know, I should, I had great aptitude for the game. And, um, and that was it. So I started learning, you know, we started learning about openings, we started learning about first moves, started learning about tactics and strategy and all of that. I think two years down the line, I competed in my very first tournament, you know, and um, I lost all my games, all my games <laughs> at that tournament. And, you know, it hurts because... I thought I was, I was really good, you know, but when we went to compete against other schools, you know, it just, I mean, it just became clear that I I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't just want to play chess anymore because, you know, when you had such great expectations, you know, and, uh, and you go out and compete and you just lose really badly because you played so terribly, (laughs) and, you know, it just broke me and and I was still a child. yeah, (laughs) You know, but then my coach, you know, told me something that, You know, I I have still have held on to you know to to this day, and he said chess is not about winning or losing. You know, he wanted me to understand that because every great master has lost several games. Like chess is the one game that you have to lose more times than you win at first before you can even get better. Because when you win, you know, you don't go back, you know, to learn from that game. But every loss, every loss, every failure presents an opportunity to learn something new, to correct your mistakes. Yeah. So it's not about winning or losing because losing is a part of the process and it's not something that you can do away with. You're still going to lose many more painful games. So if you let this stop you just at the very beginning, then you shouldn't be playing chess. I mean, then whatever effort you've put into it, you know, is just, um, it just doesn't count anymore yeah because losing is a part of the process yeah so i mean it is just a matter of perspective understanding that before you can actually become so successful at chess you know you have to lose a couple of times because those losses present you know, opportunities you know to learn from your mistakes and get better yeah so so that was it for me i go back to chess and uh we played another tournament, you know, in a couple of months, and uh, I won a trophy for the very first time in my life. I came at that tournament, and um, that did something for me. As a child, I grew up, you know, in the slums of ikorodu in Lagos, Nigeria. It really boosted my self-confidence, you know, my self-esteem, and it taught me that I could actually be very good at something. I could be excellent at this thing. If I could be really good at chess, then I could really go on to become anything I wanted in the world. Yeah. So um, I remember the first day, I, the day I won that tournament, I took that trophy home, And I cried because it was so proud of me, you know. And, um, you know, we beat other kids from the rich schools. And, you know, it was just, um, it, was, it was a life-changing moment, you know, for me, as a young boy, you know, that grew up, you know in a place like that yeah so that was that was my first uh, tournament experience where you know i got to win something then i went on to keep playing for my school representing my school in a couple of tournaments and after secondary school i stopped playing chess again you know but when i got into the university i was on the college chess team, so i was on a partial scholarship you know because of that you know so i went on to represent my college you know we won all the gold medals at the Wapoga Games, at the Naipoga Games. And uh, some of my teammates went on to become some of the best players in West Africa. Um, so, so, yeah, so at that point, after college, I went pro. So I started competing in FIDE rated tournaments. And I got my, I think my first rating was 2197. That was my peak rating, I think, at the time, 2197. Yeah. So I got my first rating and I was ranked number 13 in my country so i won a couple of tournaments i beat a couple of masters at the time i was i was a very strong player you know i uh, i used to play online on chess i think my rating was about two five my highest bleach rating was about two five i was i was at my at optimal strength you know at the time and uh and yeah so i played chess i played i went pro but then I decided to give up because my dream was to become a grandmaster. So I wanted to give it everything. But then I realized that now chess on the global stage isn't as good creative yet. But in Nigeria, it's a lot worse because we only have maybe two or three return tournaments in a year. So it's so hard to get your ratings up. And uh, the only way to compete you know, and get your ratings up is to travel. you know, Travel to Europe, you know, travel around the world to play against stronger masters. You know, I couldn't afford to that at the time. So for me, becoming a grandmaster just became a pipe dream. You know, so that was when I gave up on on chess as a player. Yeah, so I thought about doing something different. So that was when I got into coaching chess. So I started teaching kids, you know, in school. So I got into scholastic chess and uh, let's
0: let's 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 hold off one second before we jump into that. I'm curious after losing all your games in that first tournament and, and being so disappointed. I think there's a lot more lesson there for myself. Number one, I lose a lot of games of chess, so I have no problem losing, but how do you, how did you come back and then actually l- like take, learn from those losses and in order to, to improve because it is so easy just to go, oh, I'm not good at this. These people are better. I'm just not going to bother with professional playing anymore. I'm just going to stay at the rating I'm at. But you found a way to continue to climb after that. Was that because of that that chess teacher? Was it yourself? Or was it like, what? how did you do that?
1: I mean, the first thing is you need the right kind of motivation to understand why you lost, yeah? And to understand that it is it really is not the end of the world and you can get better, yeah? So I think the the right kind of motivation for me was my coach Helping me to understand that losing was just part of the process, so that was an important perspective to now understanding why I lost, and you know, actively trying to to learn from those mistakes and improve on them. Yeah, so the first thing was a shift in perspective to knowing that you will lose a couple of times, and that is okay. You have to accept it. You have to embrace it as a part of the process. Yeah. Then secondly was me now going back to the basics yeah so i realized in that tournament that i was playing very impulsively i was just responding you know i was i was playing impulsively and um and so because of that i i wasn't patient enough so that was the first thing i needed to deal with being patient i always wanted to play fast i always wanted to capture recapture whenever someone captured a piece you know so so i i wanted to learn how to stay how to do nothing, how to just stay, how to just understand the position, yeah? You know, chess is a very complex game. You know, that's the truth. It's easy to learn the rules of the game, you know, but when you start going into the deeper intricacies of the game, you see that it's very, very complex, very complex, infinitely complex, yeah? But then, how do the masters, you know, do it? How do they get so good at this game, you know, despite all these complexities? How did they see time? positions and they know what to do immediately so I, start, I started asking myself those questions yeah you know i wanted to understand how the masters you know think so the first book i read then was my system by so that was the very first chess book i read you know so it helped me understand the thought process behind um every you know every move that moves that the masters played. there yeah. so that's another important thing about chess you need to understand your methods mm? you need to be conscious very conscious of the methods that you want to use your style of play you know that's the first thing you need before you even get into playing chess properly you need to understand your style it means you need to become one you know with your nature are you an attacking player are you a defensive player are you a positional player are you a dynamic player so first understanding your nature you know would help you to now That you will help you understand like the focal points, you know, for improvement. If you know that, okay, you're an attacking player, fine. Uh Make sure that you're learning from people that also have those kind of tendencies. As an attacking player, you shouldn't be studying games of Petrosian because Petrosian, Tigran Petrosian, has a defensive, you know, positional playing style. So it doesn't really, it shouldn't really, you know, correlate with your own style of play and you find yourself struggling. You know, so the first thing is understanding your methods, you know, and uh, understanding your nature.
0: So when you're working with kids, do you help them identify their nature? Because I think that's really difficult to figure out. How do you do that?
1: It's difficult because, I mean, you know, children have, you know, people generally all have different temperaments. Yeah, you know, and I think the beauty of chess is that you're not... Teaching them what to think. You're teaching them how to think for themselves. And when they start playing, I mean, the first thing when you teach a child is you teach them the rules of the game. But then when they start thinking for themselves, when you see them start trying to make plans, because you're teaching them to make plans, it doesn't matter whether it's a bad plan or a good plan. The first thing is to first always have a plan. Whatever move you make, there needs to be a reason for it. That's an important lesson that you need to teach your child, you know, when you start out, when you start teaching them chess, They must know that every move must come with a purpose, whether it is a silly one, whether it is a bad one. At least, oh, this is what I want to do. Oh, coach, I'm trying to do this. Oh, that's not so good. But okay, let us let us try something else. Yeah. So they begin to develop a thought process of their own. Yeah. So it is very important to allow them that freedom, you know, to 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 make plans. be independent to be independent thinkers you know what are learning some of these things so it is from there that you begin to understand their nature you you see ones that are always very impulsive they always want to attack you see ones that are a bit reserved you know they want to first um um, take it from they want to first understand the um the um the position or they want to put their pieces you know in the right squares they want to take control of certain squares, you would see those things, you know, while they're playing. So it is in those moments that you begin to understand, okay, now this is what this person needs. Oh, this person needs to work on being a lot more patient. This person needs to work on, you know, his tactics. This person needs to work on being more strategic as opposed to just looking out for tactics, tactics. Yeah. So you begin to develop their strengths. Mm-hmm. You begin to help them lean on their strengths you know, as opposed to um you know trying to um yeah, help them develop their weaknesses, it's better you let them lean on their strengths as opposed to trying to help them improve just our weaknesses alone. I mean, of course, that is important too to ensure that you have balance. But those little things actually set the right foundation for chess development. If you don't get those things right, you're just going to struggle. <laughs> You know, and uh, you will understand why. So those little things matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I hope that.
0: Answers. Yeah, and how do you and how do you make the learning fun? Because uh, I've so I, um, I'm in a chess club in my local community, and kids will come, and and I'll I actually have seen what you're talking about the different, um, sort of basic natures of the children. You can tell pretty quickly the differences in kids. Maybe in adults, it's harder because we 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 put on a we put on a mask if it were and kids are much more uh genuine with their behaviors but how do you make it fun when you're teaching kids cuz it just seems so captivating the way that you're with the kids and 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 making it fun
1: i think i'm a pretty good teacher yeah? and um i think being a good teacher i mean it's one of the most important jobs you know in the world being able to pass on the knowledge that you have to another person. I think teachers should actually get more credit, get more rewarded for what they do, you know, because it's not everyone. You can be a super grandmaster and not be a good chess coach and not be a good chess teacher and not be able to pass on that knowledge that you have to another person. Yeah. So in my work with children, the first thing is you need to, be childlike <laughs> because before you can reach a child you need to come down to that level yeah because you could very easily get frustrated when something you know that is basic to you and the, there's a child that you're trying to teach and the child just keeps struggling with it and you just in your mind you realize this thing is very simple why doesn't he get it <laughs> you know and it frustrates you because you, know, you just want them to know it just because you know it. But then you have to understand that children have different levels of assimilation, right? And um, if they're not learning the way you're teaching them, you have to teach them the way they can learn, you know? So every child learns in a peculiar way. So the first thing is that in fact, you know, the way the child learns, yeah? I try to, like, introduce songs. Like, when I want to teach the kids how to arrange the pieces now, we start out with songs like Rook, Knight, Bishop, Rook, Knight, Bishop. King and queen together, pawns at the front. So it's a fun rhyme, and they would remember that as opposed to just telling them that. Oh, you put the rook first, you put the knight. They could forget very easily, but by just teaching them,
0: that helps. That helps me because I play so much online. I just started playing a few years ago, and basically always played online, never over a board. So I go to the chess club and I'm trying to set the pieces up on the board and it doesn't do it automatically and I have to think about it every single time. Yeah. So that would help that helps me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then but if it helps the children too, because children love rhymes, they love poems, they love songs that you know, just make it fun for them. Chess is fun. Chess is uh, is a captivating game. You don't really have to do too much. It just it's difficult at first because they have to painfully learn the rules of the game but the moment they can get a grasp of you know of that you know it becomes a magical world of wonder for them because now they can play it now now they can now come up with their own ideas so it's that initial stage of letting them know the rules the patience that is required and you know, to teach them it's always very difficult so try to make it as fun as possible teach them rhymes when you can um Another thing is to use uh, this Chess kit platform. I think Chess kit is just the best platform in the world for any child to learn chess. Yeah. All the lessons are arranged there, you know, from the level. So even you as a teacher, you know, you can just you can arrange, you can have your coaching plan, you know, by just using chess kit. So it teaches um the level it teaches you, it it helps to teach the child from the very um starting points, which is learning the names of the pieces the arrangements on the board the board coordinates um you know the way the pieces move you know to understanding the first moves you know opening theory um um development you know, so it progresses from there to the very complex advanced levels Yeah, so chess kid also helps me i use chess kid for for the children, I use chess curriculum for the
0: kids. Yeah, so I do wanna dig in more about the nonprofit work that you're doing because it's so important, but I, I have another thing on chess and I love the way you talk about chess <laughs> and the romance of chess. Yeah. And I, for me, my addiction to chess is self-improvement. I wanna do better each time than I did before. I'm not all that interested in the romance of it, but I would like to be. Do you think it's I can get there? How would how would you get there yourself if if you were like me?
1: When did you start playing
0: chess? I started playing at age thirty. Okay, that's
1: really cool because
0: um, I mean it's so hard for me to like understand
1: this firsthand because I started playing as a child, yeah, so I don't know how people you know get into a new endeavor you know, while they're adults, so difficult. So, first of all, admire your, your courage, you know, to get into chess as an adult, yeah. It's not, it's very uncommon, yeah. So, <clears throat> now, the first thing you need to understand, you know, and it's a critical question you need to ask yourself, what do you want out of chess? Now, chess can be many things, you know, so it depends on what exactly you want out of chess. It could just be that, oh, you want to be good enough to, always beat your friend or to be the best in your club or you have this friend that's always bragging and you just want to be better than him and that's okay it could be because um you actually consider having like a professional career probably you want to start competing and that's okay it could just be because you want to learn you know a new recreation you want to have a new recreational activity or a new hobby or it could just be because uh oh you want to learn chess is a great you know metaphor for life You know, it's used as an analogy to teach a lot of concepts, even in business strategy. So it could be you want to learn that, you know, just so you can apply some of those skills that you're gaining in those other aspects of your life, you know, so there are different facets to chess. For me, I consider it a great educational resource, you know, for the mind of a child, you know, because it it, it liberates the mind, you know, it teaches a child, you know, how to use their imagination yeah so that is what chess is for me and more importantly chess connects us It is a great equalizer i'm sure you've made a lot of new friends just because you play chess now i've not been outside nigeria before but i have i have friends in more than 30 countries around the world like good friends just because of chess yeah so chess connects us and that power that you have to connect people you know without any stereotypes without any disparities so that is what's Kindle's the love for the game because I understand it from just many facets. So, because chess, like love, like music, has the power to make man happy. You know, it's it has that kind of power because I see it as a way to connect with people. The only reason why we're having this conversation is because we have chess in common. Yeah, so that helps, like, Kindle, to Kindle my love, you know, for the game, my understanding of the game beyond just the 64 squares. Yeah, so... I'm asking you that question. What exactly do you want out of chess? Or what does chess represent to
0: you? What you just said makes so much sense to me. And I wasn't going to say it, but that's true. We would not be talking if not for chess. Because it was a friend of mine, Dr. Brian Keating, that introduced me to the nonprofit work that you're doing. And he thought I'd be interested in it because he knows I like chess. And so I checked it out. And obviously I was interested in it because I like chess. And, And so... Uh, I love that about chess, that I can go to my park in my town, sit down, and then a stranger can sit across from me and we don't know anything about each other and we start playing and we get to know each other in 15, 20, 30 minutes just by playing. We don't even have to talk, but we'll, I'll learn so much about them just from playing. And it's introduced me to so many interesting people just by playing playing and having this in common I wish I would have started playing when I was five years old because I absolutely love it like I play every single day I I miss it when I don't play and when I was first learning I thought about it all the time and uh I just it's just such a fun game and I think the reason I like to play it is because you're never done learning like, I've been playing for a few years now, and I play every single day, and I don't know probably one-tenth of what's out there. It's an infinite amount of, um, of in- progress that you can make, and it's so easy to master a lot of other skills, but chess, you can keep working on it for the rest of your life and continue to grow, and that's what really attracts me is the fact that it's so difficult. And so rewarding when you get a concept that you didn't get before. True.
1: Yes. I mean, that is so very deeply profound. You know, and that is that is the first thing. Now, since you're very clear on that, then the first thing is not to put too much pressure on yourself. You know, you seen it to you, it's a progressive journey. You know, It's a progressive learning journey. So you have time. You can take as much time as you want. You know, there's no pressure to become a master or to become good immediately you know, take it step by step because with chess, the only thing that is certain is that there's always a reward for hard work no matter how long it takes. When you keep working at it, it will present its reward. You are going to get better. You can you cannot just keep working at it and not improve. So it is just going to be a direct result of your efforts, of the effort that you put into it. Yeah. So first, detach yourself from having to like be under so much pressure to get better. You know, then, you know, take take it one day at a time. Don't play obsessively because most people don't realize it. But playing chess every day, you know, doesn't help you improve. Now, there's an example that I always cite. There's this guy on Lee Chess. I think his username is German111. He has played more than 500,000 games. I'm not joking. That is the highest I've ever seen on Lee Chess 500,000 games on Lee Chess. And his rating is still just 1-4. It's almost unbelievable because. <laughs> How can you play that many games and you're rating? So, I mean, for him, chess could just be for fun. And that is just having fun. And that's, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, but if you're consciously looking to improve, you know, it's not just from playing games. You know, I don't even play chess anymore these days. You know, I don't play, I hardly ever play, just a few times, you know, but I solve puzzles every day. Yeah, so if you solve more puzzles, like I said, you have to become aware of your process, of your of your thought process. Solve puzzles, engage your mind in being able to, like, understand chess problems. You know, solve puzzles, solve tactics, you know, do a lot of that, do more of that than actual playing. Yeah, Then you see that, the more you do that, you know, it leaves a very, a, a much um, stronger impression on your mind. And when you now get back to chess, you know you begin to see things differently. That is what you need to see. The only difference between a master and a beginner is just the, um, just the way they understand, you know, positions. The way they understand any given position on a chessboard. Yeah. So you need to empower your mind like that, you know, by by feeding. Your thought process. So to solve a lot of puzzles, trust me, if you do that consistently for a couple of months,
0: I just got uh, Polgar, Laszlo Polgar's. I think it's five thousand puzzles. It's a book, and there's like a thousand mate and two puzzles in there. So you, all will learn to think a little bit further ahead. So I just need to start using that instead of uh, admiring it on my bookshelf because it looks like I'm so smart. <laughs> but let's let's talk about your your nonprofit work because basically from 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 hearing your story it sounds like the work that you're doing with your nonprofit is basically recreating the journey that you've gone through for kids that you, like and actually being methodical about repeating it over and over again and it's just it's so impressive and I'm so proud of the work that you're doing and I want to hear more about like the first instance of it. How how did it begin?
1: All well, right. So, you know, after I went through after school, you know, chess gave me a lot, you know. And um, I mean, my parents were still poor. We we're still really poor. But I already had, um, I would call it an alternative kind of education because chess taught me to dare to dream, you know. It taught me to be curious. You know, it taught me to, it taught me that I was, you know a direct correlation between hard work and getting rewarded for it. Yeah. So a lot of the other kids that we grew up together, you know, they ended up on the streets. They got into drugs. You know, from a different point of view. Yeah. So, so after all of that, after all of these opportunities that chess gave me, then more importantly, you know, chess gave me this. It made me more intellectually inclined. Whenever I told people that I was a chess player. It doesn't matter who that person is. It doesn't matter how influential or how well the person is. The person was going to always respect me as an intellectual just because I told them I could play chess. And while this, is, while this isn't why this is necessarily true or necessarily the case, you know, in all situations, yeah, it does hold one to, like, a higher standard, you know, because chess gives you that kind of intellectual branding. And now you actually have to live up to those expectations, yeah. So... I mean, there's already the notion that oh, to be a good chess player, then you must be really smart. Yeah. So that kind of that kind of identity that was what chess gave me. Yeah. So I wanted to always be informed about a lot of things. So I read a lot of books. You know, I I, I sit consciously sit, you know, to know more. You know, so chess was what really gave me that kind of mindset. Yeah. So after school, I wanted to do something. You know, I wanted to decide whether I was going to go pro. Or I was just going to, as I studied computer science, or I was just going to go fully into tech. Yeah, but um, it was difficult because I mean, Nigeria is um, is an, is one of is the poorest country in the world. You know, we're in multi- that hundred million Nigerians in multidimensional dimensional poverty. You know, and uh, things are really bad. It's so difficult as a graduate to even get a job. You know, because you know everyone says, "Oh, we'll get an education." You know, it should help your, improve your you know, chances to create a better future for yourself. But in actual reality, you know, the line between the, the parallel between education and livelihood in Nigeria is no longer linear. You can actually be educated and still be poor because there are no jobs, there are no opportunities yet. So after I struggled a bit to get a job, I just decided, and chess wasn't paying because we, we didn't have a lot of tournaments. I decided to just start going to schools to teach chess. Yeah, so at least that was a way to earn income. I was a good chess player. I could just teach the children. You could just pay me and, you know, I was going to be fine, yeah? So that was that was the first thing I started doing. I started teaching children in private school. You know, I wasn't earning a lot, but then I was fulfilled. And, and I loved teaching. I loved being around children, yeah? And uh, I did that for two years, but then I wasn't earning so much. And then I decided to just quit. So something happened in 2018. I went back to the slum community where I grew up. To visit someone and it was during school hours and when i got there I, I just saw a lot of children on the streets they were not in school because their parents couldn't afford to put them in school and you know i saw teenagers doing drugs you know because i was just there they were almost totally marginalized from what was happening in the real world and they were only doing things that they could see you know in that community so so that was when it really began for me i started thinking about what i could do to help the situation to help the children, yeah, get the kind of exposure that I did. To help them see that there are so many opportunities that exist, you know, outside, you know, that place. Yeah. To help them see the world beyond the confines of the immediate environment. Yeah. So, and I didn't have money then. I was still broke. I was still trying to survive. But the one thing I had was I had a couple of chess And um, the next weekend, I just brought about five chessboards, and I called about, Two or three children. I just told them to sit down. I wanted to teach them something. So at first, it was a bit difficult to communicate because they couldn't speak any English word, and they, you know. So I had to imagine having to explain to a child who has never been to school before that a rope moves vertically and horizontally. You know, they just wouldn't get it. So I had to start using, you know, gesticulations. You know, using and using patterns and all of that. And I can tell you for a fact that on that day. I was totally astounded by, you know, the pace at which they were able to learn. They they learned the movement of all the pieces in that one day. They learned how to identify squares using board coordinates in just one day. And these are children that live in slum communities that the world doesn't pay attention to because of their poverty. So that was what made me believe that, you know, in the end, a lot of these children, just like me, they have incredible potential, but they might never get... You know an opportunity to know what they can truly become, so I thought that maybe chess could give them you know that leverage, you know maybe chess could give them one more thing to be hopeful about, maybe they could become really good and going to become champions. you know, I didn't know how it was going to put food on their table because they were poor and they just needed food, but then even if I gave them food today, they will be hungry tomorrow, then what happens? so I wanted to give them something that could be beneficial to them at least something they could. A, a different skill that it could really help them, you know, to build the kind of future they wanted for themselves. So that was the mindset behind it at the time. So I kept going there every weekend, and before I knew it, five children became ten because I would always give them food after every training session. Then because of that food, we had 20 children join. We had 30. So at some point, I couldn't handle the classes alone. So I called some of my friends, and um, they all came together. So before we knew it, we had about like 100 children coming to our community training center. So we had to get more chess boards, you know, and um, also we started teaching them basic vocabulary so they could start learning, you know, new English words. And children that couldn't pronounce pun before, you know, they were now, you know, speaking, you know, English very fairly and um, it was good progress, yeah. There was no end in sight, There was no end in mind. We just kept teaching them chess. And after about like three months, it started getting really, really good. I went and really, really good. Like for me, when I started learning chess, it took me time, you know, to improve. But then these children were improving at a very rapid pace. Yeah. And I couldn't just believe it. And it just began to dawn on me that they had seen something that could be their way out of poverty. And because of that, they were giving it everything. You know, they were always trading every day. They were always asking questions. You know, I would print puzzles and give it to them to solve. And by the next time, they would have solved everything and you know, they started becoming really, really strong and um, we, we took them out for a tournament and they did really well, you know, and um, yeah, that was the beginning, that was how it all started and I would share pictures of them doing our training online and, you know, people started following, that was how it started people started, oh, Tunde is teaching children from this slum community how to play chess, oh, that's cool um, Tunde, would you need uh, if you need food for the kids, I could contribute some money then you help them get food so we just so it just started that way people started supporting then i started telling stories yeah because a lot of the children would walk up to me as their coach and tell me about their personal struggles oh uncle tindy i've not eaten anything today and uh, so at first i struggled because i was too broke myself and i wanted to detach myself from their personal problems because i could only teach them chess i couldn't give them anything else yeah so that led me to start telling their stories i would just write about oh this little girl that's part of our academy she has never been to school before but she's showing great aptitude for chess and the one story i wrote about that little girl went viral you know and people loved it people were um compelled you know to want to help her and somebody reached out and said that little girl i would like to sponsor her education you know and uh that person committed to sponsoring that girl's education and we enrolled in one of the best Montessori schools. and and it just became clear to me that chess gave this child an opportunity to get off the street and go back to school in that moment it became my mission to find other children that that little girl and help them get back to school so it was going to be i'll teach them chess as a way for them to learn important life skills and be, become champions you know but more importantly it will become a gateway to other opportunities for them and we do most important opportunity they could ever get, you know, to help them survive or build a different future for themselves was going to be education. So I started writing more stories and more children started getting scholarship opportunities because people were now seeing that beyond their poverty, beyond where they're from, these children actually have incredible potential that they were showing through chess. So chess became a way for them to find expression. Yeah. So and um, because of that, people started seeing you know, a different narrative to them. So we're creating a different narrative for children in poverty in slums that it is not just the poverty that defines them, but it is because of the lack of opportunity. So we're giving them an opportunity through chess and look at what they're doing with it. This means that they deserve so much more. They deserve an education and they deserve the things of life, you know, so they too can grow up, you know, and break the cycle. And that was was just the beginning. That was the story. And uh, three years down the line, it's been it's been an interesting journey. So yeah, that was our last. So
0: so tell me, uh, I'm really intrigued about the story about Ferdinand from Makoko. How he's been able to to use chess, and can you tell that story? Yeah, sure.
1: So um, sometime early this year, um, in April, yeah, we decided to, you know, expand our programs. We've been doing this for about three years now. We've trained more than three hundred children. About like a hundred of them now have gotten lifelong scholarship. They've gotten back to school. We've had a lot of, you know, they've won a lot of national tournaments, you know, and even international tournaments. So we, we've we trained 300 children. They've won tournaments, you know, about like a hundred of them are now on scholarship supports. And we've been able to really impact, you know, a lot of lives, you know. And uh, we're, we're now showing the world that it is truly possible to do great things from a small place, that children from slum communities, you know, can actually be great too if you give them opportunities, right? So we now decided to expand our program to a different community. Now, the community we had always operated from was Majidon in the Lagos. So we decided to go take up a new challenge and go to the largest floating slum in the world. So that place is also in Nigeria. It's called Makoko. So now this was a little more, this was a lot more challenging because Makoko, is a fishing village. So a lot of the people live on wooden stilts on the lagoon. Yeah. And the water is black water. It's almost like sewage, you know. So it's just a terrible place where, you know, malaria is prevalent and, you know, it's just, it's, it's not a place for human beings to live. But there are more than 200,000 people that live there. And the majority of them are fishermen. And those children do not go to school because education there, you know, they don't understand the value of education. They raised their children to become the fishermen. And uh, they raised their daughters to sell fish and get married at a really young age. So one of the things I mentioned uh, chess, you know, they didn't speak an English word. They didn't even speak the local dialect that I understood, Yoruba. They spoke another native language Italian. So it was completely impossible to even communicate with them. But that's the beauty of chess. You know, it transcends even the barrier of language. So we took chess words there. You know, we had to go on Cano's and uh, we selected 20 children I wanted to teach. You
0: yeah, know, we ended up
1: teaching about 100 of them anyway. So, Ferdinand was one of those kids, you know, that we found in Makoko. Now, Ferdinand has a medical condition, cerebral palsy. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's a progressive brain damage, you know, that uh, limits, substantially limits, you know, activities in the muscle, You know, and um, when he joined us, he couldn't speak. You know, he also had the speech impairment. And um, I mean, at first, I, I wasn't sure what to do because I'd never thought, a dis- I wouldn't call him a disabled child, a differently able child, how to play chess. Yeah. And um, But we still gave him a chance, you know, because he was crying. And he, he used to be that child that the other children would bully in the community before, the, because of his mannerism and the way he walked. They would call him Golugo. Golugo in their local language means don't. You know, And uh, but we gave him a chance, yeah, because... That is the essence of what we do. We give every child a chance, regardless of their background or who they are, what they look like. I started teaching them chess, and a few you know weeks into teaching, we realized that Ferdinand stood out from his class in his classroom. It was it was the best. Like it was the best. Nobody could beat him already in the class, and I was astounded by how a child like this, you know, could be so good at chess. So it became clear that. He was a prodigy, you know, and uh, he was gifted. And finding the gift of chess was a way for him to express himself, you know. And, uh, and yes, and that was it. You know, we kept training them and we organized a tournament. And Ferdinand won the tournament. He won the junior category of the tournament. And I shared a story on Twitter and that story went viral. You know, we got thousands and thousands of reactions from people around the globe, you know, who were inspired by the story of this little boy from one of the poorest slums in the world, you know, who became a chess champion, you know, and he didn't just stop there. The Lagos state governor invited him to his office and they played a game of chess, you know, that ended in draw. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and the go- <laughs> governor gave him money and uh, they didn't just give him money. They also, he also helped their family and put Ferdinand and all his other siblings on lifelong scholarship support. So, So, I mean, chess changed Ferdinand's life forever from a little boy, you know, in the slums of Makoko forgotten, you know, to now become a superstar that is inspiring people around the world. Just because of, uh, he showed excellence at chess, you know, it was just, it was just one for the ages. And uh, it's a story that is very special to me because it, it really feeds, you know, my resolve that chess can truly change lives i've always believed this very strongly i've seen it in the lives of all these children that we have fought over time you know that have showed you know great massive potential you know that are now being celebrated you know that have been featured on cnn on the bbc on al jazeera on uh even olympics very recently writers we've been on all major news publications just because we're teaching children you know, in the slums, how to play chess. So Ferdinand's story is one of the stories of the children that have been able to impact their lives, you know, through chess. And there are many more children like Ferdinand too that we still hope to reach in Africa.
0: So do you tell these children that chess is a gateway or it's an opportunity for them or do they just know? Can they just sense that it's something different for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, I told them. Because, I mean, that is that is what I need them to understand, you know, that they, while they're learning, they're not learning. I mean, we're not teaching them to become masters or to become chess champions. It is clear that, you know, not all of them will go on to be great at chess, you know, become masters or become champions. But then. You know, there will be some that would stand out eventually, but more importantly, it will become a gateway to other opportunities for them. You know, and it is going to give them, help them learn a lot of important life skills. You know, that would stay with them. You know, for the rest of their life. So I tell them that. You know, I make them understand that the reason why they're in those places is because you know their parents are poor. You know, and, but and the reason why the parents are poor is because you know they probably didn't have. Starting opportunities or their choices were limited, so they have to play chess so they can learn how to make better decisions. So they can learn how to create their own choices, their own options in life. You know, by being better. Yeah. So it's just to create a premise. You know, to really inspire them. You know, every child, you know, needs to be. It needs you know the right kind of inspiration, the right kind of motivation to reach their true potential. So I tell them.
0: But eventually they realize it on the other one. Yeah. And so what's next for the organization? What are you working on right now?
1: Yeah. So right now, you know, we've we've had all these incredible success stories. So we're looking to scale our impact even further. Children's Norms is a nonprofit organization that uses the game of chess as a framework to give children that live in impoverished communities access to education and mentorship. Right. So now We're looking to expand beyond Nigeria to other countries in Africa. I traveled recently to Burkina Faso, you know, and we thought children then an orphanage, and now they have an active chess program. So we want to continue replicating that, you know, spreading the gospel of chess, the gift of chess to all the slum communities and to reach a million children over the next decade. This is important to us because I believe chess can change lives. The process of learning it can, you know, transform the mind. It's clear to me. So every child in Africa needs, you know, to, to benefit, you know, from the immense and um, from this, you know, opportunities that chess gives, you know, so they can learn, you know, that there's so much more to them to so help them reach their trust potential. So that is the vision for this, to expand to other some communities across Africa and to reach more children.
0: Yeah. And what's, what's, your barrier right now what do you need the most to make that happen i mean the first barrier
1: you know the major challenge is funding really because it's a nonprofit. yeah so we don't charge the children you know to join or whatever even for the scholarship support and everything so it is funded by the organization yeah so funding is our major problem right now because to be able to scale to be able to implement our project to get equipment you know to set up internet and set up our facilities it costs a lot of money to also put the children in school cost a lot of money yeah so we're trying to raise money we're trying to raise funds we've gotten a lot of support from the chess community you know a lot of grandmasters you know have joined uh our project gm simon williams for example from um from from london from england yeah is one of our trainers yeah so Well, as soon as we're able to set up our virtual facility, you know, we'll be able to, like, connect directly with the children and train them, you know, pro bono, for free. So we have a lot of people that are willing to volunteer, you know, around the world, you know, chess is a global game. And um, so, yeah, that's the one thing. We want to raise money so we can expand our projects, you know, to other places and so we can sustain it, you know, over time. And also to be able to send the children that we're training in an academy also put them back in school so they can get formal education. Then another major challenge is, um, uh, um, getting, you know, um, um, devices, here yeah? because we want to really drive this technology. I can tell you for a fact that some of the children in code that we trained, the very first time they got to use the internet, the very first time they got to use a mobile phone was because. They used it to play chess online. So that was the first time they got to engage the use of internet and technology for the first time in their entire lives. You can imagine that there are still people somewhere here that have never used a computer before. who don't understand how the internet works simply because they cannot afford it. So we want to really drive an impact with technology. So we want to get more technology devices. We have a partnership with Chess.com and ChessKit, who have given us their... You know, digital platform to help register our kids so that they can continue to connect with other children too, you know, around the world. Yeah. So, those are the two things that are major to us right now funding and technology.
0: It sounds like it'd be a great opportunity for someone like Google with their Chromebook or some of these computer companies that have these small portable machines. If we could get one of them involved to donate some of those computers to what you're doing that could be a a really great thing too
1: absolutely yeah so we're looking for those kind of partnerships with google with microsoft with you know more organizations that could even maybe adopt us you know as you know just just to get all the help we can we can we need you know to be able to scale this and impact more life so yeah definitely that is definitely you know in the books
0: so if you're listening to this podcast right now and you have connections at some of these places, um, how can how can we get in touch with you and how can we help financially? How can we sponsor a kid? Um, if How can we how can we help you? Um, how do we get in touch? Where do we find out more about you?
1: Yes, please. Uh, the first thing, you know, we have we're very active on social media. So you can follow us on Instagram at Chess and Slums Africa on Twitter at Chess and Slums Africa you know, on Facebook, Chess and Slums Africa, then I can also reach us, uh, or find more, find out more information about what we do, you know, through our website, ChessandSlumsAfrica.com. Or you can also follow me personally on Twitter, you know, at Tunde Onokoya, Tunde underscore OD, or on Instagram and Facebook, Tunde Onokoya. Then even if you just Google Chess and Slums, we have quite a number of documentaries, you know, that has been made about our project. So, you know, there's credibility, you know, through the years, you know, we've um, <clears throat> we've had a lot of, you know, coverage, of, you know, about our programs, the core activities that we do and uh, some of the lives we've been able to impact. So you can check all of that out and you could also reach us via email if you're looking to partner with us or to help us with fundraising or to help us access certain access opportunities I mean, that would help us, you know, you know reach um, our goal, yeah? And um, um, so our email is um, chessinslums uh, at gmail.com. Yeah, chessinslums at gmail.com. You'd find our email on our website or on our social media pages anyway. Then we also have a GoFundMe page set up. Yeah, so just search chessinslums and Slums GoFundMe. So you can donate directly to that. You can specify in what capacity. If you wanted to go towards the academy or you wanted to go towards feeding the children or you wanted to go towards sponsoring a child's education, so we have different programs, you know, they can get involved, you know, with, we obviously cannot do this alone, you know, and uh, we've been able to come this far only because of the generosity of kind people. And I um, in the end, we promise to make every single dollar count in the lives of the children we're advocating for, you know, because as we continue to expand margins and continue to build the future that we want, you know, for the world, you know, the, the only future worth dreaming of, you know, is one that includes all of them too. All those children in those slum communities in Africa, we never get to know, you know, the first opportunities that exist in our universe. So, yeah, support us and uh, let us
0: change the world.
1: <laughs> I believe we can do
0: I have a question. So how far does $50 donation go within your organization?
1: Yeah, with $50, you can um, help um, get food for a child
0: in academy. Yeah, because
1: like I said, we give them food after every training session. With $50 too, you can get um, a chess board, you know, for that child. And uh, and you can, you're paying for that child's instruction because we actually have instructors that we actually we have to pay, you know, that go to these communities to teach the children on a weekly basis, yeah. These are seasoned professionals, chess masters, yeah. for $50, you're paying for that for one child per a month. So that is how far it goes.
0: So fifty dollars pays for food f- for a month and education yes, for a month yes. with the co- and a chessboard. Yes, it does. That's astounding. Yes.
1: <laughs> we have to break it down like that. You know, although we've had a lot of volunteering help, so it helps us to be able to because before we can scale this, it needs to be sustainable. And if it's costing a lot of money, then we won't be able to scale that impact, you know, to reach more children. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And I'll make sure to link to um, your email, your website, the GoFundMe, your social media accounts, the couple documentaries that I found on your project, all in the show notes for this episode, which I'm going to put over at Kwandal.com slash That's com slash T-U-N-D-E. And that way, if you're listening to this and you feel compelled to help out i encourage you to and it's unbelievable how far a small amount of money what sounds like a small amount of money to me can go um in this organization and so tundi i'm just so grateful for what you're doing i can't wait to watch as you are reaching your million children and uh in a lot quicker time than you think And I'm just uh, honored to be able to talk with you. And um, I would love to play some chess with you on Lee Chess sometime uh, so you can uh, teach me a few things. (laughs) Oh, of
1: course. Definitely. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I feel honored to be on your podcast, too. So thank you for having me. And uh, all the best for your chess improvement, too. (laughs) Just see me up anytime. I'll be rooting for you. And uh, I'd also share the little knowledge I have with you, too, to help to help you to improve sir a problem